Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Fall is upon us and there's no better way to get fueled up before hunt than with some Black Rifle Coffee. Coffee legitimately tastes better after a day in the woods or after a successful hunt. Fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or with your first coffee club subscription. Black Rifle Coffee. Last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We partnered with social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. And Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit and download GoWild.com to get started. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tethered produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high-quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstrings strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. Our friends over at Half Rack just released some awesome gear and they were great enough to give our listeners 10% off their order. All you have to do is click on the link in the podcast bio or the link on our link tree on Instagram and that will give you your percentage off at checkout. So get some of the highest quality hunting and outdoor accessories that will help you prosper in the field. Half Rack is aiming to be mindful of the past, conservation conscious and evolve into the future. Forged in combat and tailored for hunters, Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly innovative and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can now take Spartan Forge with you wherever you go by downloading the mobile app. Enjoy deer prediction analysis, weather forecasts, historical data, detailed journaling, as well as crisp maps. It's time for you to make the most of your season and let Smart and Forge do that for you. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20%. Check it out over at spartanforge.ai. Send it.
It's actually not. We got the canopy, so we're good. Yeah. All right. Well, we're back. We're live. Actually live in person. I got two of my best buddies here. We got Aaron Hepler and we got Jim Diagostino. We're live in middle nowhere. Middle of nowhere. How about it, man? It's crazy. Where are we exactly? We you want to tell the viewers? or Yeah, know? we're in northeast Pennsylvania. Okay, that's good. We're just uh, up in uh, some good good old-fashioned big woods hunting mountain bucks, mm-hmm. chasing mountain bucks. We actually saw one today. Well, we didn't see one, but one got on one. camera. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, driving in we saw one. Yeah. But he was a monster. He was a monster. 11 point. PA 11 point? Yeah. Is that what he was? Mm-hmm. Aaron, talk again. Can you hear me okay? Could you hear him? You do it again? Hello. There check, we go. Check, check. Yeah, yeah. That's way better. That's way better. <clears throat> way better. Way better. No, so we're here. We're we're up in the northeastern Pennsylvania hunting some scouting, I should say. Some land of where hopefully I'll get a crack at something. Hopefully. We found plenty of uh, plenty of places to get a crack at something. Mm-hmm. Now, what's really neat is about this area specifically, I normally have hunted my whole life not too far from here so but i have been looking at the spot for months and i know i've even mentioned it to you aaron i've mentioned it to you jim i've been looking at this time after time saying we got to get in there we got to get in there i think this could be a good good area and finally we were like hey why don't we just get together and make it a day and jim you and i did it last year Mm -hmm. around this time and so we uh the three of us were like let's go do it so we got together uh you guys aren't very far from here so, you're what, 45 minutes? Yep, 45. You're, you're about the same? Yeah, about 50. We're 50. About almost the exact same distance, yep. opposite direction. So, it worked out. We got great weather. It wasn't too, too muggy until, like, towards the end of the hike. And uh, so, yeah, so we looked looked at the map. We saw where we wanted to go, and it all looked what we thought it was a little bit, somewhat. And we found good sign. Mm-hmm. The beginning of it, I was kind of like, oh, well. It's really open. Mm-hmm. That stuff near that like swampy, went in that swampy area. It was, it was more open than I would thought it would have been from the right. map. But I mean, there's still some some sign there. But really, leading on past that, yeah, everything picked up after that. Yeah, that's that's what I was too. I was like, oh man, I hope this is not a dud because that the swamp area, the marsh area, just from the mapping, and that's why you, you obviously you get in there and put yeah. boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. But it looked so good of just the surrounding edges of the different terrain features of mm-hmm. what could possibly be. And and it's not a write-off. We hung a camera there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were there was a little bit of sign. There there was deer trails and whatnot, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely think it's going to be, it's one of those places you put a camera to, to figure out if it's something they mm-hmm. use and when they use it, which is really why you use cameras. I mean, people use cameras, oh, I want pictures of deer, I want to know what's happening. I don't care about pictures of deer. Right. Pictures of deer are great, but if I'm going to hunt a spot, I want to know, you know, hey, they're coming through here. Well, that's a bring. And that's actually a, a good point because you'll, you know, I know in in years past too, like it was like, oh, let's see what the inventory is. Right. Not necessarily, mm-hmm. but I guess there could be different scenarios where you hang a camera. Like this is a spot where. It's a high travel corridor where yeah. you know that's where you're going to get that intel, and then you have that mock scrape or a communal scrape and that's where you're going to see okay who's using it when are they using it and then that's where a game plan to go hunt yeah 
comes from. Well, I I interviewed Tony recently for that one that last piece that I wrote mm-hmm. for Exodus, and he, you know I said like, well, w- what's your take on it? He's like, well, I really want to put. He's like, it's easy to put a camera on a bean field or on the trail that comes out into the bean field. I know I'm going to get a buck there. And he's like, sure, if you want inventory and pictures are nice, like everybody likes pictures, so put one there. But mm-hmm. he said, honestly, I really want to know what's happening in the next layer back because I know that in reality, that's where I'm going to shoot the deer. Right. And that's where I'm going to hunt the deer. I don't really care what's happening on the edge of the soybean field. I already know there's deer there. So you're really using the process of elimination and saying like, oh, you know, you leave that camera for a year there and nothing shows up on it, it's a spot you're not going to hunt, mm-hmm. you know, but that's the, that's the, that's the time saver in season. That's right. the, that's what's going to get you where you need to be in season. Yep. What are you thinking? Yeah. Um, I mean, just echoing what you guys were saying, you know, that it was very open for me too. Like I, I typically, you well, you know, I hunt on the other side of the right. mountain and right. it's a lot steeper. It's a lot more dense. Um, so getting into it, yeah, the same, same thing. We found that drainage, it, sh- it showed a little bit of promise, but it, I wasn't like, it didn't knock my socks off, but it was only another quarter mile or something mm-hmm. that we walked and Yeah, not even. And it, it right. got into, you know, some really nice bedding area and the trails and the bear scat up here is like insane. It's intense. Yeah. There's so, a lot of bear crap. <laughs> I mean, I'm also, my wheels started turning instantly about bear season. I mean, I quickly veered off a of whitetail. Yeah. But, um. But yeah, I think we picked really good spots considering the, you know, we only hiked for two hours, a little over two miles. It wasn't like we spent all day and I think it was productive. So, um, you, if you and I get together and do a, a bow hunt this year, it's, we got options. Yeah. <clears throat> what I liked too about the, the area was for me personally, I was thinking this could be my October spot. Mm-hmm. On the, especially on the weekends after, you know, being that weekend warrior, you know, I already kind of told the missus, like, hey, like, I'll be going back home towards home, and there's a couple spots that I think could be good, and way deer have been moving in the last couple of years, this is where I want to be early season. Mm-hmm. Just especially to where I live, I don't put, I haven't put in the the effort and the time scouting just because of you know, not, not making excuses. I just, I had the, you know, coaching and this and that. I yeah. just didn't, you know, I doesn't like Jim just said, it doesn't knock your socks off where this does to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I love coming back home. I love hanging out with my dad. I love doing hunting with him. So I want to put in more time here. I know it's a little bit of a drive for me, but it, so what? And I, like I said, for months I was looking at this and I want to get in here. So originally it was, let's get in here early season and hunt this. And then I could kind of go back to my other spots during the rut, which I could still do. Mm-hmm. But man, this just screams, you could hunt this anytime. I mean, I don't want to overhunt it, but at the same time, like if those cameras could tell a story coming up. Yeah. And I mean, if you're, you know, if, we're, or if, you're, if you're talking about being a weekend warrior and, and hunting that weekend, you have plenty of gap in between mm-hmm. and you're probably not going to hunt it every single weekend. Right. And if you did, there's probably a spot to go to every, every weekend. Single, right. You know, you have, you have plenty of room to not hunt the same spot. Yeah. Even if you hunted all the, the little sections <laughs> that we found today mm-hmm. on a couple of consecutive weekends, you, you, you just blew up this area. Okay. So what? And then you go up to your normal up spot. Mountain, yeah, to your normal spot. I mean, you can hunt all year and never mm-hmm. see the same deer twice. I mean, we found at least what, five or six, spots where i would be like i would hunt out of this tree and they were all far enough apart that i mean you probably affected that deer in that spot but that deer might be in that you know what i mean yeah no doubt 
and 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 talking about your spouse and being like the weekend warrior thing it's like if you go hunting in a place you don't know about you're still spending that day and you're still worthless that day right mm -hmm. like you wake up early in the morning you hunt half the day you get home at if you let's say you're doing a morning hunt you get home at noon you go home and you're too tired to do anything anyway like you're worthless anyway so it is when you're talking about, seriously <laughs> yeah but when you're talking about driving here what you found today is going to be worth your time yep <clears throat> so that day you're worthless at least it, it was worth the time that you did it right you know what's exciting this year is i know i've said it on the podcast before but for for sure no doubt about it is nora is going she's getting a crossbow like, mm -hmm. no doubt about it so and she has a doe tag for this unit cool so like that's so it it falls into hey we're, we're going as a family mm -hmm. so it's not just daddy's going and mm -hmm. of course here he goes again like out the door but mm -hmm. we're going to be going together so we'll be together and you know if it's just that one day or whatever and stay over one night two nights yeah they get to hang out with her her uh pap app and her grammy so mm -hmm. it'll be good very cool i know you have your spots at back in you know where you yeah. live in state college that are quick for your quick hanging bangs after work or yep whatever but i mean there's just something about having like, coming back this. home you know yeah. this is just different yeah that's how i feel like truly that's just i love i love this terrain it is it it's very similar obviously back where i live now in central pennsylvania but mm -hmm. but it's still different <clears throat> you know the the browsing just what's available here for the deer and just again seeing this down here for the first time mm -hmm. Like, yes, it was open at first, but I was like, this is so cool because it was new. Right. You know what I mean? Everything new is cool. Yeah. Speaking of which, <clears throat> speaking of the browsing, that um, when we got to the, to the, where we considered the bedding area, mm -hmm. uh, there was a substantial amount of gaps between the browse. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. Yeah. So, like, the deer would have definitely going to be on their feet, which is kind of a, nice because now you yeah. know you're not getting, um, you know, stuck in one of those spots where the deer can kind of just bed and feed, you know bed and feed in a routine right well i was saying even that first well we found five five What's that? five scrapes yeah we found five scrapes so the first scrape we found once we got past that one we went through a little bit of thick cover and then it opened back up again and there was kind of an edge going the opposite direction you know kind of going parallel to the ridge that we were on right and then found another scrape in between that um but that those are the kind of spots you want to sit in in those in those edge in, in those edge areas. They're obviously eating in there. There's less browse. Why would there be less browse? Everything's nipped off. You know the the green the green briar that we found was nipped. You know. Mm -hmm. <coughs> yeah, it's exciting, man. Mm -hmm. Season's fastly approaching. We got we set out three cameras. Three cameras. Three cameras. All cell cams. All cell cams, we, which we were very fortunate because we did have service. We tried some new products. And what did we try? Um, oh, our buck fever and all that stuff. The buck fever, yeah. I've, yeah. Never, I've never personally used yeah. it, so I'm excited to see how that turns out for you. Yeah. Well, we already saw, I mean, on our way back through, we got a picture of a, of a deer on camera, which was great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that first scrape was kind of encouraging because we were kind of like, oh, now the sign's picking up. We're seeing some more scat. Here's a trail. Oh, first scrape. And you had just got done saying, like, on this particular piece that um, the hemlocks are what they really like to use for scrapes. And it was a hammer scrape on yep. a hemlock. Yep. Which is probably a community scrape. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, that was the that was the camera we got 
a Dude, picture on within an hour from, yeah. of, of a decent, <laughs> yeah, decent deer. Yeah, for sure. Now that's, that's what fires me up. I mean, now's the time when things get, I know school's going to be starting for me soon. So then it's just like continue to fine tune your, my shooting. And, you know, we were able to get up in the tree a little bit and take some photos and whatnot. And so like climbing up, just getting the rust off a little bit mm-hmm. of that. And I mean, potentially I'd be, I could be going on a Kentucky early season hunt. I'm not sure yet a hundred percent on that, but I mean, I mean, season's quickly approaching. What mm-hmm. left do you have to do, Aaron? Well, I'm doing that one sticking thing and yeah. I really have to really got to fine tune that. And if I don't, I'm just going to, I'm going to stick to the sticks cause I don't want to bust want your any, ass. I don't want any bad things happening, <laughs> but no, the, the bow shooting at home is going good. I've been shooting with my daughter a lot, just like, yep. you know, she's having a blast with that. And, um, you know, Really, I'm just, I'm ready to go. The one sticking thing, <clears throat> I love the idea, and I love seeing, like, the people that are really good at it. It's just, man, I just feel like I would be a, a bull in a china shop. I really do. Like, the rappelling down just looks so easy. But, I I mean. That's the hard part for me so far, because I just, I'm having a hard time figuring out my, like, my breaking hand and how much tension to put on the rope as I'm coming down. So, it's kind of like herky-jerky, you know? Yeah. Uh, the first time I tried it, I was, um. I'm going on an elk hunt this fall, so I had um, had one of the guys that was uh, that's going on the elk hunt with me over, and he bought a saddle from at the sportsman show, and okay. he's he's like, you getting up there, you know, and he was like, well, I don't know if it's old people things, but I bought one, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's like, oh, you can teach me how to use it. So he came over, and we were we were using it, and he's like, I want to see this one sticking thing, and I'm like, well, I really haven't done it yet, like, you know, I'm just finished getting the stuff together and he's like well let's just try it so you know i put the rope put the rope on and i'm coming down and i think at least the last five or six feet was just a complete free fall like yeah yeah you know, like, it's like batman just boom. yeah now that's the straight, that's a cool thing straight down well you tried speaking of new products you tried an aider for the first time other than that which what is already built into your timber ninja sticks right. you, you tried like a three-step aider and that was a no-go for, it was for not big for gym it's not for me yeah Big guys are not meant to use aiders. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. It's just that that one in particular just didn't. When I got to your second one, I don't know who makes the second one. Yeah. But that was, uh, we won't mention any names. We'll keep nah. everybody's names down. Yeah. But, but that second aider was, was rock solid. I yeah. like that. I would If I was going to run one, that would be the one right there. So I was happy with that one as well. Coming down both ways, though, both sets were still a little, a a little wonky, wonky for my first go. But yeah. I was also a little wonky in a saddle, too, my first go, you know? Yeah. So. It's always interesting to see what other gear you could use. I just recently, I, I have a, my system is when I set a platform up is I, you saw I that gear tie wrap around my Lyman's rope yeah. so I could be two hands free and it's just hanging there mm-hmm. and I throw the cam buckle around the cam strap. I've noticed, uh, Tom sent us that USA <clears throat> light thing. Have you seen those? Amstel guy or whatever his name is. He makes them. It's, uh basically amsteel rope and it has like a prusik knot and it like attaches to the button on your oh, okay. stick or platform and he makes one for each mm-hmm. and you could like cinch that down and it's not moving and it bites hard yeah i got one just to try it i, I didn't I didn't did not come yet um so i'm anxious to yeah, see let how me that know goes. because that sounds right up my alley that yeah. seems like it'd be a little faster yeah and it's smaller to pack instead mm-hmm. of the well ropes. that's what i like too yeah i mean like what I have for me, what's nice is on the platform, <clears throat> another little 
quote-unquote pro tip uh, that you can do is get a bungee cord and loop it <coughs> on the end on the of end your of loop, the thing. Yeah. and then that way, as you wrap it around your platform, it will you could attach that bungee around. So then it's everything's nice and clean. Yeah, and then you're not getting the clink from the buckle or right. whatever. Right. I used to use for hanging tree stands. I used to use that lone wolf strap that had the the mm-hmm. double hook on it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's kind of I mean that's kind of a bulky thing to yep. bring extra. So. Yeah, there's all kinds of things being made, produced, and what do you think about that uh, bow hanger that I had? It's nice. It's really nice. Yeah. And now that you put that uh, uh, that like felt on there, yeah, to quiet it down. Yeah. yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Usually, I use I just I do what Troy does. I use that monster hook. That yep. Um, like just construction work construction mm-hmm. workers monster hook, and that I, that's worked pretty well. But I liked I like that. Yeah, it folds up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah, I typically use a. It's like a. It's basically like an like an S, like an S hook. Yep. That I got at Home Depot or something that was just a larger size that fits perfectly in mm-hmm. the in the hiss strap little uh, Molly webbing. Yep. And it just for our bows because with the little wider uh, limb pocket, it sits right in it like perfectly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. just do been you, doing that. Do you know why it's called the hiss strap? No, why? Because you hang your shit. <laughs> yeah, is that what it is? <laughs> do you know why it's called the? The sis hauler? No. Stash your shit. No, oh, okay. Yeah. Pretty funny. Interesting. Pretty funny. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you got the new Elite kit. Yeah. Super jacked about that. Because um, you wear Spectre. You wear First Light. So yeah. anybody that wears that that pattern. I mean, if even if you don't, the, I mean. I was it, already running the Phantom XL for yeah. a couple years, and it was phenomenal. Right. That was a huge upgrade from I had the. Uh, Menace. The Menace first which was a great one to start out on if people are on a budget. Mm-hmm. and um, So the difference, the main difference yep. is, just so for people, the menace is uh, it, there's the amstel rope is fixed, mm-hmm. so your bridge is fixed. There's no comfort channels, uh, and it goes by sizing. So, right. like, you go by, like, you know, your size. Yeah, and that. you can use those extension straps or whatever, right? Yeah, there's yeah. So, like, now the Phantom, obviously, is the, you know, the Ferrari. Phantom was a little more comfortable. The Menace had a nice cup. It seemed like it had, like, a bigger butt pocket for me. Yeah. Um, but that material that it was made out of was super strong, but it was a little more, um, wasn't as forgiving, and okay. it made a little little bit more noise, I guess. But it's, again, we're splitting hairs. Yeah. Um, but then when I got to the Phantom XL, that was, like, the Cadillac. I, I loved that thing. Yeah. And, um, and I figured since... Um, I love that so much, and now I have all I've invested in all Spectre. I might as well get the saddle in Spectre. So, pretty much set up. And I like having the idea of having two saddles in case I make a mistake and cut something or something silly happens to me. Run a broad head across. Yeah, yeah, you never know. (laughs) And then it doesn't take me out of the hunt, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm back. So, yeah, I run the the original Predator, and I love it. Um, I remember none of my friends really use saddles, and I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna buy it. I'm, I'm getting one, you know. And it was always like, well, we're going to wait a year because we know how you like to suffer through your stuff if you don't like it. But yeah, I've suffered through it. It's not suffering. It's awesome. And I've loved every minute of hunting out of a saddle. I hunted out of a tree stand once or twice last year. And it was with a gun, like, out, you know, my it was my rifle stand that I sit on on my buddy's farm or whatever. And I made the switch to, I shouldn't say I made the switch, but I made the switch back to the regular size uh, Predator platform. Mm-hmm. For, I did that too as well. Yeah, this year. Uh, just because I feel a lot more comfortable, obviously, <laughs> maneuvering around. Uh, if it's going to be an all-day sit, I might tend to grab the XL just because 
I think maybe later on in this season I will just because of if I'm wearing more layers and mm-hmm. I won't be mm-hmm. I mean obviously you can move more freely but if I have on like pants and bibs and all that stuff I just might want that a little bit more boot room but I guess I would say for the platform if you're a if you're a rubber boot guy oh the XL, XL is like the way to go because yeah. you know I mean I'm not a rubber I don't wear rubber no. boots unless it's unless it's really really cold I have like some you know 14 1400 yep that I'll right. yeah that I'll use for um for hunting but really there for when I'm out shoveling snow and stuff or something so I'll wear those if it's really cold out um I'll change into them at the bottom of my tree cuz yep. otherwise you're just rubber boots are just not made for yeah. hiking through no even what we just did today you sweating those things Holy and it's cow. yeah no way yeah probably going to use my my XL for my pre-hung set this year and just put it way out on some properties I have permission on and, and kind of just uh, let that for my all-day sits. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I don't know, I think with a little bit bigger platform, it gives you some more options for comfort as far as, like, posi- positioning mm-hmm. and whatever. But, again, it, it's splitting hairs. And, you know, I've already – that was the first one I thought I wanted, so that's why I got it first. But I since went to the smaller Predator because we – you and I both went to a little smaller day pack to try to condense everything down and – it fits on the pack way nicer. Yeah, until Tether releases the the their pack, hopefully within the next year or two. That's that's what I'm excited for. Mm-hmm. It's it's an awesome pack. Carl designed the hell out of that I one. I got to hold it yeah. for a few minutes. Yeah, and, it's and almost walk away with it, but Carl <laughs> yelled at me. So. <laughs> it's an awesome pack. So like this year, I am I am going full minimalist until I can't basically mm-hmm. when i need to add a lot more layers i'm going predator pack i'm going a uh tethered makes a like a stash bag mm-hmm. um and i'm putting that on the outside of that and putting whatever i need inside there i just remember talking to cam mm-hmm. know, from exodus and cam was like if you have whatever size pack you have you will fill that sucker up so it's like and i i he's did right. he's a hundred percent right i'd be like it, coming home i'm like what the hell is in this we like, used to always think you need bigger packs and we yeah. used to run bigger packs because of that but you will make it work for whatever you have now mm-hmm. now granted if you're quartering out an animal like no doubt sure. about it mm-hmm. like yep. w- like where i'm hunting here i don't need to do that yeah you could almost drag from where we right you have access roads for right. atvs and right. stuff in a lot right. of places right I and we talked. I said I I run a little bit of a bigger pack. Like I'm, I'm hunting with Troy, mm-hmm. uh, Troy Dietrich, and mm-hmm. we get back in some some far places. And I have like a I have a half roll mile, like a half mile roll. Like if I'm if I'm gonna drag a deer that far, it's getting cut up. Like because mm-hmm. it's easy. Like it's easy, and it's halfway done when you get home. Um, so I run. I I use a QU 1850, but I everything i have in that pack is to process a deer like if there's extras in there like you know i have the typical i got my grunt tube and you know uh water bottle and yep. my range finder whatever other than that there's game bags in there and and stuff to quarter a deer up because mm-hmm. that's really you know that's really all i'm going to use it for and then on my way back like i'm not hiking out with a deer on my back with all my hunting clothes on because sweat my, sweat my balls, balls off and mm-hmm. then you know so it is most of that's extra space for on the way back. It's not necessarily to to bring stuff in. Right. I'm I'm in the market for a small first aid kit, like a backpacking, you know, backcountry small out, uh, first aid kit. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of an accident last year with uh, uh, cutting up an animal and kind of sliced my hand pretty good. Ooh. And uh, 
you know, it wasn't catastrophic. I didn't need stitches or anything, but I was just thinking, it's always the what ifs, you know, like yep. what if it was worse? What if I had gone a little further? Yeah, I remember that time last year when I drew back on on a oh, bow. Oh, when we were in Delaware. <laughs> yeah, he was trying my bow because we were, had some time to kill and we were bored. So he's like, draw my bow back and like let it down and like the broadhead like grazed his finger. And we're in back in the middle of nowhere in Delaware. So, Delaware, I don't know where. Yeah. Dilla. <laughs> I have a I have a buddy that um, I don't remember what he was doing, but he he picked his bow up and there was still an arrow knocked in it. And I don't remember if he was fumbling around with something else with a bow in his hand and an arrow. And I don't know how it happened, but he put the broadhead through his thigh. Oh my gosh! Into wow. his thigh, and he was like, like, oh shoot, the broadhead went through my thigh. You know, like. Or he he saw the hole in his pants and he's like, oh, you know what am I? I don't know what that happened. So he's walking back to the truck and he feels something warm and like looks down his pant is covered in blood. He didn't even feel it go into his leg because oh it's so gosh. sharp. And he's like all you know all bloodied up. So he actually works with me at the hospital and he ended up like just holding some pressure on it and driving down to the hospital and one of the cardiothoracic surgeons like sewed it up for him all night <laughs> in, in storage room. oh my gosh yeah that's crazy we don't let him live that one down no so he's got yeah. a nice nice little broad head thigh scar but the whole head whole thing went in that's yeah. unbelievable yeah. What kind like of what do you do you sit there it? for a minute and you're just like what i think it was it was either a muzzy or a wasp i can't remember yeah, yeah that's but you sharpen those muzzies like yeah. crazy well and it, so uh, just quickly a backstory on it was it, it was jim's evl 32 at 80 pounds and he was like hey it this was a montech of a montech uh -huh. so he was like dude it draws like a 70 like trust me on the evolve cam so i was like okay so i drew back on the first one i was like wow like just a scene and i got it back like smooth mm -hmm. i'm like dude that's crazy and i let it down nice and smooth and then I, he's like, okay, like, give yourself a second, draw back again now that you know how it feels. So I did, and I drew back, and I was looking, you know, checking through the peep, and he's like, okay, just be careful when you let down so you don't slice your finger. It was like, thunk. I was like, ah, prick. And then, yep, mm -hmm. I sliced my finger. I do cut my arrows a little bit short. It's still safe, but you need to know that you can't yeah. get over the, you can't go over the shelf with your finger. Yeah. Yeah, your, arrow, <laughs> your arrows are back in there. I was <laughs> yeah. like, ooh. Yeah, yep. What about you? What do you have left to do this year? Well, all my equipment's ready to go, so that's that's a done deal. Mm -hmm. I'm actually ahead of the game this year with that. And people think that since like I do like bow, you know, tech stuff on the side, that like I have all my you know best equipment. It's all set up all the time. I'm always doing other people's stuff. I never work on my own stuff ever. So I finally am happy to have that all set up and ready to go. Um, I have a I typically not a big camera guy. I typically you know me. I always yep. go out and scout and and just save a lot of stuff on my maps and and do things kind of the old school way, but. Um, you guys talked me into it, and I've seen a lot of the guys have success, so I bought a bunch of, well, not a bunch, I bought three cell cams this year I'm going to try. And um, those still need to get deployed uh, up this way. And then um, then when that's done, then I might do some food plot stuff down at uh, some private property I have permission on um, down the 5C area. Nice. I got, I got two, two doe tags for there, so I'm, I'm just trying to get some does to come in and, you know, let them have it. Let them eat. You know, cameras are always multifaceted for me, and we were talking about this a little bit. Like, I, the old school way is part of the nostalgia, right? Like, you hunt because you want to you learn something about the woods and learn something about the deer. And, you, you know, if you hang a camera, you're hunting, and, and you solely use that for your scouting tool, you're like, oh, I, I hunt here because I got a picture. But you really have no concept as to why mm -hmm. the animals are using that or 
you know, what mm -hmm. makes them tick, that kind of thing. For me, cameras serve a, serve as a scouting tool like we talked about. You know, I want to know what's happening in an area I don't know anything about. But it's also part of keeping, keeping like the hunting season alive for me. Like, I'm hanging my cameras. Sometimes I hang them in March just because like I ain't going to get back to this spot and I'm already shed hunting it. So I better come here and then I can do one check instead of going to, you know, I can come in and check it. Right. Instead of going in to check or hang it and check it. Um, and there's so many areas I like to get to. So if it's a new spot that I want to hang cameras in, it might be March when I'm hanging cameras. Normally I'm hanging them in June and July. I still have cell cams to get out because I'm not really going to use much of the cell cam until, you know, I would hunt, hang them now. Um, but I'll hang them as late as in, into September. So for me, cameras are multifaceted. It's A, is a scouting tool. B, I love getting pictures of deer because who doesn't love, if you like to hunt, you like to see pictures of deer. <laughs> and it's just something extra to do. It is a reason, it is a, a, another reason to make you go out in the summer and, and do that little bit of extra scouting that you might, you might be like, eh, I saw that all that in the spring, you know. See, I think that's where if you have the opportunity to do some summer scouting th today was so valuable to me mm -hmm. like a hundred percent like we still saw a sign we saw old sign we mm -hmm. saw new like mm -hmm. i mean everywhere we went today there was deer scat everywhere and some was old some was newer you know what i mean so like we know deer are still using this terrain feature but seeing the layout and learning kind of like like light bulbs were going off for me mm -hmm. and like looking at the maps and seeing it be done and like seeing the layout in person was huge for me just because again, this was a little bit new terrain feature for me, but like I've always said too, in, in previous years, if plant this where I normally hunt here in this area, walking through the timber and on these ridges, like there wasn't a lot of ridges here, mm -hmm. right? So the ridges up there, it's it finding a scrape is very hard i'll find rubs galore mm -hmm. and again we'll get a lot of nighttime picks and that's when i think that's happening right and where the where they're going from bed to feed and the movement but coming down here and like walking this it was very like aha moments just from things that have another guest on the podcast yeah. and just learning on my own it was it was awesome like that's where i think like People will say like, "Oh, we, the best time is postseason." I agree with that, but this still warrants a lot of good intel that will set me up. I think for the fall. Yeah, yeah. Or anybody. And the other thing about summer scouting is, um, or just Jim, like you said, when you're oh, like it's your first time using aiders, and oh, it's your first time in a while up in a saddle. Like you have that little bit of like mm, a little little wonky. Mm -hmm. You know, when you go into the woods the first time, it's always like walking around in the dark or just walking around the woods in general, like not breaking sticks, like feeling comfortable, like you're not going to get eat by a bear, you know, like all that stuff. If you keep it going during the summer, it's so much easier when you get to the fall. You're just like, oh, that's where I'm going, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. What about you? Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. I agree with, ex with everything Aaron just said because, you know, you need to knock the dust off. You mm -hmm. got not to get the cobwebs out, get loose. And, uh, yeah, I felt a little clumsy in the woods th today. And I, you know, I haven't been out in a while, so, I mean, I guess that shows. So, yeah, there's something different about walking. 
effectively in the woods. I like the way, though, that the three of us, I know I talked about it when we first started, how we wanted to do this together, our, like, way back, mm-hmm. and we got got the day in. But, like, I think back if, like, say you couldn't make it. Say, Jim, you were like, hey, I, I can't make it today. I had to do this by myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have gone as far back as I did. Mm-hmm. Not saying... Yeah, you but, always talk yourself out of something. Yeah, you always do. You know what I mean? And I just... Seeing how that... that some of the, the bedding that we saw... I don't know. I just think that was a huge... It's easier when guys are pushing you and, like, they have to give you that positivity, like, that feedback. Like, you know, Aaron's like, oh, that looks thicker. looks better over there. Let's go to that. Like, you might have noticed that yourself, but you might have been looked at your map and looked at the time and been like, well, I don't you know. I, I know, know there was one point where we were all going through that really gnarly stuff. When yeah. we got down to the end of that ridge and it started getting rocky, I know we were all like shit we gotta go through that yeah <laughs> it was like head high yeah. we, i could feel it we were all like oh there's gonna be a lot of spider i thought webs. this was gonna be a nice easy like walk yeah. well, what's <laughs> funny is that's like right then and there as soon as we turned around is when it the temperature changed too. yeah mm-hmm. yeah it got hot and a little muggy yeah but the thing is is like you're right like there's a really good chance if i was by myself i might talk my sometimes you can be mm-hmm. like just do hard crap what's wrong yeah. with you but yeah. but most of the time you'll talk yourself out of going through stuff like that like i think if i would have found that first scrape mm-hmm. i think i'd have been like i got i got my camera here i maybe would have pushed in a little bit more yeah but then after that i probably would have been like eh, I, I got two scrapes i found some bedding yeah that's good enough and turned around mm-hmm. well and that second scrape we found was good information too right because most of the scrapes we found today were on hemlocks mm-hmm. that second one that we found was a double, double scrape sweep. And it was on a witch hazel, yeah. right? So that was a little bit different. And I've seen a lot of, I've seen, I have some really good scrapes on witch hazel. I don't know if it's something that they, I don't know what they like about it, but the way it hangs over, double scrape in the middle of that corridor, like yep. that, you know, thick, two Cat thick around. edges, yep. like that's, that, those are important things. So it is, it is important. I mean, we got the picture of the deer on the hemlock one, and it's not that you would ever devalue a scrape that's in a pattern like that. But there's something to be said about that unique tree because we didn't really see a lot of other witch hazel after that. Right. You know? Yep. No. It's awesome. And on top of all this, this is Jim and my first time meeting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we all we all hit it off. Yeah. Pretty good. I knew. I mean, like we, I said, I, I mean, I, me I and Jer are always people. We're people people. Yeah. I'm, I'm and, people people. And Jer, yeah, exactly. Jer said that you were a people guy. So I was yeah. like, perfect. We'll get along just fine. Yeah. But we, we typically... Um, or I should say, I typically, uh, I'm always hesitant with newcomers on hunting properties for whatever reason, but it was, this was easy. This was like, yeah. you know. No, I just, time. like I said, I knew, I knew the three of us would have jive. a blast. Yeah, just jive and have a blast and have fun creating content and, you know, scouting and getting ready for the season. It just, the thing about it is that's, that's where I love what we do mm-hmm. in the social media side of things because that's how we all met right Mm -hmm. literally how we all met here we are we had lunch over a grill we doing the podcast but like i don't know there it's just so i love it that's that's like you said we're people people and it's just uh it's a unique situation where you could build these bonds and like it's just the hunting community continues to give. Yeah, you, know, you always like, say that. Yeah. It. <laughs> it's so true, man. You Every sucker. time you go, <laughs> you can go to any. If you go to any outdoor event, anything where there's hunting and fishing involved, and you're going to find people that love this shit just as much as you. And do. And you'll know, and who you're going to meet like what, mm-hmm. your potential best friend. 
and you'll Every, know exactly who they are. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, and it is the social media thing gets overdone a lot. But I mean, I'm a, I'm a big poster, but it's all related to this. Like, I don't use it for anything else in my life, and yeah. you know. And yes, there is um, there is some. Uh, I do post my dinner every now and then, as long as it's uh, along some wild game, you know. But um, the social media thing is important to this, because mm-hmm. you know it's all and it's all it's all a chain, right? Yep. Like I met Troy on social media. Troy met you because of social media. Yeah. I met you because of Troy. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's crazy. It's cool. It is. It's it really is cool. cool. Yep. But no, it's 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 unique when when you actually are friends and you could call and mm-hmm. just it's like you know, nothing ever goes by. I mean, that's, that's some of my absolute yeah. closest buds are guys that I met on social media and or in the hunting industry, yeah. if you want to call it that. Yeah, like Bill, the Pertinier guys up in New York. Oh yeah, I just spent the weekend with them, you know, last week, and it was like mm-hmm. I felt like I've lived with them for years, you know, mm-hmm. and I just met them two years ago. Mm-hmm. And same thing with you guys. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just amazing yeah no i'm excited for us this year i i i like for all all of us you're going to friggin colorado for for elk this year mm-hmm. you got your your setup dialed and yeah i'm excited like that's just that's a unique you know i gotta, like, I know, gonna, I, gotta I, outfit them with some camo yeah that's what we're gonna do yeah I, like i know i know thousands of people do that you know all the time but like for me personally i don't know a lot of people that go out and do that all the time yeah honestly this is my first western right hunt, and, so um Man, it's just it's an awesome yeah. thing. Like when I was going to Utah, man, I was I was so fired up. Like Whitetail, don't get me wrong, I was excited for that because of coming off of what that season I had that year pr- prior to that. Mm-hmm. But man, like when I was getting ready for Utah, Aaron, mm-hmm. I was like full bore, like just mule deer mode. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm gonna miss the bow opener, so I'm I'm a little heartbroken about that. But. Yeah, but you're gonna go in a prime I time. I know. Everybody's like, you're going hunting for elk. Who cares? I'm yeah. Like, I know. <laughs> yeah, you're going during the prime time. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. You gotta you gotta break through that and get get your first hunt under your belt and get the experience level. Now, yeah, how many, hopefully, you have how many success. days you going? The hunt is seven days, so we leave September 22nd and get home like October 3rd. Driving. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's like 26 hours. Yeah. So I told you it was a drop camp, so. It's it's a public land hunt in uh, Unit 19, but we're using a drop guide service, so we'll horseback in. Sweet. Yeah, and they have a they'll have a wall tent or whatever set up right. ready, and um, no pack out. They'll yeah. they'll come and get wherever oh, you kill. They'll come and. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> it's worth it. It's a worth the yeah, hunt. 100%. It was you know it's eight grand split between four people, so it's 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 a worth it service. Dude, two thousand. That's yeah. not bad no. at all. I mean, nope. shit. That was about by the time you're done with. Everything that was like Utah. Well, I'm thinking like if you do it without a drop cam service, you're probably, you know, fifteen hundred bucks in. But they they also are accelerating your learning curve a little bit, oh, right? 100%. Like they know where you're. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. For, my, for your first one, I feel like that's super important. Yeah, you're going to be with guys that do this for a living. Yeah. Like they're going to, and you're going to be in the right terrain. You're going to have. You don't have to waste time setting up. You can put more time on out right. there because you don't live out there. Yep. Right, and it's not an over the counter unit. It was just it's a one point unit. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be cool. And like I said, they know where the elk are. It's like, they're right. running the guide service. They want to be able to say, Oh, he, I mean, it's not going to be specific. Like, Oh, the elk are over here somewhere, but, um, <laughs> that'd be nice. They yeah. got ear tags, but yeah. they, they give you a general, like, this is what they're doing. You know, this is kind of like the patterns we're noticing that kind of thing. So I think it'll be cool to have that learning experience. But the, um, the, the one guy that I'm going with, um, that I talked about came up and, and 
I taught him to use saddle or whatever. He's he's elk hunted for years. Okay. And so he's a, he's actually a physician that I work with, and he was like, I mean, he's been pretty. Uh, I've seen his wall. He's a pretty successful um, bow hunter, and uh, so I'm I'm excited to have him along because he's got the experience. You know, he knows he knows a little bit a little little something or two about elk, and and shooting a bow. He's a tinkerer too. You know. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm excited to have him along with us. Sweet. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Yeah. We should do that. I'm jealous. I want to go right now. We got to get a point in there, man. I know. That's it's the way to do it, though. Take a group and do that do that, air, that drop and have them have camp set up for you. Yeah. That would be awesome. That's the way to go. I know Tim and Tom, I know they're doing an early Nebraska hunt this year in September. Yeah, I talked them into that. Yeah. <laughs> that a boy. Because I was going to go last year, and I had, like, all these waypoints saved, and um, some family stuff came up, and I, I was not able to go. Um, uh, my father-in-law needed surgery so um i stayed home and uh you know just hunted if, if that week i just hunted at home a couple times whatever but uh i was like tom you need to go there man you can because he can hunt in nebraska you can shoot a mule deer or a, a white, white tail on your tag talking so. about mm-hmm. just an antlered mm. antler white tail or antler deer yep. yeah doubles your odds man hell mm-hmm. yeah that'd be sweet i'll Boy. tell you what when at montana attack uh, I got to show you the video of me stalking on that mule deer. I think I, you put it I, on. I know I did, but there's some uh, better. There, I, uh, there's some cools where a second like angle. Five feet uh, Dude, I'm literally closer. I, it was from me to the truck. I'm sure they wouldn't let you do that in season. No, no. Deer are so dumb in the summer. Yeah. I know. <laughs> no, they just like look at you for he, a while. Like, the come eat out of your hand. Well, the wind was. I like, mean, I'm not downplaying your skills. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would, but like the wind was in my face, and I was just like crawling, and I had like all that brush up, and yeah, I could just see the tip of the, the well, velvet. Even the footage you was crazy. showed was sweet, dude. It's just nuts. So you just spotted him out there, and you just decided to see how close you can get. Yep. Yeah, that's what any of us would have did. Yeah. What else do you do when you're out there? No, right. You know? <laughs> I'll never come back to my. You know. Like, yeah. No, it was. I mean that. I was so happy to be a part of that trip. Mm-hmm. Montana was just a place that I've always wanted to, yeah, on the bucket list. I would definitely like if I go missing, I'm not missing. I'm you're just, in Montana. I'm on. Yep. I'm in Montana somewhere. Montana's on a, that on. one state I've never been yet. I've done. I've done Utah Dude. and Colorado and 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 oh. Seattle, and Wyoming, all them places, but and never been to Montana. It's amazing. Hopefully, within the next two years, Iowa for all of us. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's going to be... Just let me come along. Yeah. I just want to see him. Yeah. yeah. So, like, when this airs, actually, so last week, hopefully, if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode, it's going to be with Rendell Eric from Iowa, and, man, he, he he's was... He's a cool dude. Yeah. He's uh, the Tether 10 winner last year, and just... Uh, the 10-foot-tall Tether 10 he, winner. Yeah, <laughs> that's perfectly <laughs> said. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he he hunts, and he gets it done out there. He's a school teacher as well. So it's just, yeah. it's, it's cool. So that, that, that was a good episode. But so if you didn't check that one out, make sure you check that one out. Anything else before we wrap up? Cause I know we, we do want to go to one more stop. You good? I think I'm good. What about you, man? I'm good, man, dude. I have pleasure having you guys. And yeah, thanks. I, thanks thank for you putting it together. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next week and antler up. <laughs>